Welcome to the LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by ANAC, the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination. We are on episode two, section N, of the Q&As on the RAI User's Manual, effective October 1st, 2018. I'm your host today, Jesse McGill, and we are here with my colleague, Jane Belt, a Curriculum Development Specialist for ANAC. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Jesse. It's great to be with you and have a chance to chat with our members. It's fun. Yes. All right. So back during the ANEC webinars, which you hosted on the 11th and 13th of September uh, in covering the 2018 REI updates, you received so many questions on Section N specifically for drug regimen review. I appreciate you joining us, Jane, today to answer some of these excellent questions. Well, and that's so true, Jesse. We we really had some good thought-provoking questions, so it is great that we have a chance to try to clarify some of those. All right, let's jump into this first question. Are the drug regimen review items only used for Medicare residents, or is it used for all payer types? Okay, the new items in Section N are to be completed only for Medicare Part A skilled residents during their Medicare stay. Those drug regimen review items, the like the N2001, did a review, did a review occur, and N2003, about the follow-up, those will only be on the five-day MDS, and then the other new item, the N2005, about did we do all this every time it occurred, that's only going to be on the PPS Part A discharge assessment. Thanks. One of the things that our members had a frequent question on was about different processes that already exist within their skilled nursing facility and whether those meet the criteria of drug regimen review. One member asked for drug regimen review when we have an admission, our nurse calls a physician and reviews all of the admission orders and the medications and charts that these orders were reviewed with the physician. Would this meet the criteria of a drug regimen review? Uh, no, not really. Because what the nurse is doing, and certainly a standard of practice, but she's verifying orders. And that is the process that that you described. We're verifying orders that we received for a new resident. Yes, we need to do that. It's a standard of practice, but it's not a drug regimen review. A drug regimen review is comparing, looking at medications, their doses, the indication, frequency. What was the resident on at home, in the hospital, and now? Do those line up? What are the current orders? And again, when we do that, that's actually called medication reconciliation, where we look at their current and their prior orders and see, okay, they got that before, mm, where's that order now? We might have an issue. Also thinking about, are there any possible clinically significant medication adverse consequences? looking for changes 
Does anything appear to be missing when looking at that resident's diagnosis? Their allergies, oh my goodness, they're allergic to this drug. Um, is the family aware of any side effects? Sometimes that family's got a lot of good information and we need to check with them because they might be more aware of particular side effects than perhaps the resident. In addition, on page N16 in the manual, there's a wonderful list of review con considerations that as people are learning this process and getting better at drug regimen review, that will be a great way to kind of steer them to what's clinically significant. Now, Jane, you just talked about the drug regimen review and a great process and tips for on admission. And the next question has to do with that review that is, uh, is conducted throughout the Medicare Part A stay. Do you have any recommendations for frequency or process for that, that entire review? Well, uh, the person that asked the question is correct. It is throughout the stay. That's true. And a good process would be, you know, and, and I'm just giving my, my opinion here, good process would be to review as any new medication orders, lab orders, omissions, or refusals of meds, or other changes occur that could potentially result in an adverse medication issue. So, so we need to take a look, see what we see, but I also believe that each facility will need to develop and implement their own policy and procedure for how that, that process is going to work in their facility. You know, I can say, yes, it, you want to do it continually, which I would believe with every new order, I would double check. But I'm sure the facility will come up with a policy and procedure, which then that will win um, as to how to conduct it. Thank you. And your response leads us right into our next question, which is, for that stay review, would we have to consider each time a physician changes an order or writes a new order for that section in drug regimen review questions? Well, not necessarily. Because item N2005 asks, did the facility contact and complete physician prescribed or recommended actions by midnight of the next calendar day each time potential clinically significant medication issues were identified since admission. Well, if we think about that, a new order may or may not result in a potentially clinically significant medication issue. Yes, each time a new med, a you know, lab, or we discover that maybe a, a, a dose was missed or whatever, yes, there's gonna be a review and we're going to check to see, does that omission or whatever happened, is that setting us up for a potential or actual medication issue? So then we only code in 2005 then based on completing the recommended actions following events that actually resulted in a potentially clinical significant medication issue. And, you know, if the, the listener has a, you know, still doesn't quite get 
what this potential or actual clinical significant medication issue might be. There, um, CMS did add on page N17 to the new manual the definition of that. But it's basically, it has some impact, some effect on that resident's well-being, physically, mentally, psychosocially, and it could cause them harm. Thank you. The next question it was asked by several different attendees on the webinar, and that is, who should be completing the drug regimen review? Is it required to be completed by a pharmacist? Yes, there is a bunch of confusion around this, this kind of um, question here. The drug regimen review for MDS purposes so when I'm talking about the items, the new items in section N, those do not have to be completed by a pharmacist. Quite frankly, I'm not sure a pharmacist is going to be available the, you know, at the time of admission of, since we get admissions at strange times anymore, it seems. So the MDS does not specify who is to complete that review but it needs to be an appropriate qualified clinician. And that clinician needs to be able to recognize potentially significant, and I should say clinically significant medication issues. The real confusion comes here with, we're talking right now, section N and the MDS drug regimen review coding process the other drug regimen review process that we're hearing about is from our requirements of participation, Appendix PP. And that is FTAG 756. That's in the state operation manual. That's Appendix PP. That's a completely different process. That's monthly. And yes, that is required to be completed by a pharmacist. So we've got two different activities with the same name, which certainly does cause confusion. But uh, hopefully that might help a bit. I think that is so helpful, Jane. Now, when we talk about the drug regimen review process, what kind of documentation is needed? Do you have any suggestions? Well, there's nothing specified at the moment. So... In my mind, I would think a progress note or a flow sheet which addresses the process and findings and timing, all that, could probably be enough. Your nurses are going to have to use clinical judgment to determine if that medication issue is clinically significant and, and identify a process for your team to document. What's, what are we doing now? Are we contacting the physician by the next midnight? The, I'm sorry, contacting the physician by midnight of the next calendar day. As I've mentioned, each facility really needs to develop a process on how they're going to document the follow-up from the physician and the implementation of those follow the prescribed actions. And you could possibly check with software vendors and see what options they might be coming up with. You know, they seem to provide lots of help sometimes. So, again, there's nothing specified, but 
everyone needs to know the process so that it is followed consistently. Great. The next question is, would a medication error that occurred during the stay count as a potential or actual problem for Section N when we complete that discharge assessment for the N2005 question? Well, and this is a great answer too, but, but it is, it could. CMS, you know, lists drug errors as an, as an example of what could be considered an actual or potential significant clinical act, you know, issue. However, it's also going to depend on what the medication was to determine if the error was really clinically significant. So, yes, a drug error could, but Sometimes drug errors are relatively minor, fortunately. So it is going to be a one by one. I got to take a look at what happened here and is this clinically uh, significant for this resident? Sounds like the term clini clinically significant is going to be um, a very key part in coding this section. Mm -hmm. Jane, the next question is about, again, the pharmacist's involvement. And you said before that the pharmacist may not be the one completing the drug regimen review. However, if the pharmacist does recognize an issue during the stay, would this count towards a drug regimen review process on that discharge assessment? Or can we only include what our nurses find? Yes, the pharmacy review would be part of the process because that was a finding. And um, so we've got to identify any issues uh, that were identified outside of the pharmacy review, inside the pharmacy review uh, during the stay. It doesn't matter. It, uh, it occurred during the stay. So yes, it needs to be identified. And if a, that's, here's the words, clinically significant issue was identified by nursing or by the pharmacist, the items in section N would need to be coded to reflect those findings. Well, such a great clarification. Jane, our final question is very important. And we know that the, the NAC is responsible for coding the MDS, but is the NAC also the person who's responsible for completing the actual drug regimen review? And let, let me make this a real clear no. Each facility is going to have to determine their own process. Is the MDS nurse there every time an admission comes in? I'm sure they think they are, but often they're not. With the strange times, we get some of our admissions. The only requirement is that an individual, it's got to be a qualified clinician, who can recognize potentially significant medication uh, issues. And I, quite frankly, that reminds me, during the recent CMS trainings that were in Baltimore, it was clear that the drug regimen review must be completed as close to the time of admission as possible. And why I say that is there was a question asked if the DRR for Friday evening could be completed on Monday. And there was no hesitation from CMS. The answer was no. That would not be timely. 
Well, thank you so much, Jane, for your expertise today and your helpful explanations of all these changes coming this October for our members. For our listeners, please check out www.anac.org for ongoing resources and support with the October 1st updates. Thank you for joining.